Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and this episode is Q&A number 121. First, a piece of house cleaning item. I am currently running a That Triathlon Show survey to learn more about how I can improve the podcast and make it better for you as a listener. So it would mean a huge deal to me if you would take a few minutes to fill out the survey. I have a link to it in the episode description, and you can also find it directly on scientificdraftlon.com in the menu bar under the podcast tab. You can also go directly to the URL scientificdraftlon.com forward slash survey, and I will direct you straight to the survey. More than 250 people have already filled it out since I sent it to the email list of Scientific Triathlon about a week ago, so I am extremely appreciative of that. Thank you very much to all of you that have already answered the survey and to everybody that will uh, do it following this announcement. And as usual, a big thank you also to our sponsors, Roka, that you can find on roka.com. Roka have an industry-leading design and development team that have developed some of the fastest triathlon gear on the planet and some of the best, crispest, and most well-designed eyewear on the planet as well. So Roka have their focus on both of those categories, triathlon gear and equipment, and also prescription eyeglasses and sunglasses. You can find both of them on roka.com, and you can get a 20% discount with the promo code that you can get on roka.com forward slash TTS. And thank you to Zen8, our new sponsor, the swim trainer that helps triathletes improve their swim power and technique at home, even when pools are closed or you don't have enough time to go to the pool. After the main question for today, I will actually include a mini interview with founder and CEO Victor Jarland and head coach and pro triathlete Karen Linders. You can get a 20% discount on the swim trainer on zen8swimtrainer.com forward slash TTS. And this discount takes the cost of the trainer to 127 British pounds. So we're talking an investment similar to a pair of running shoes, not something outlandish at all, but more to follow later in this episode on the Zen8 swim trainer. But now let's get into today's question, which is from Simon in Australia. Simon writes, Hi Michael, I've been listening to your show a lot lately, and although it's interesting and enjoyable, I find it depressing when I hear you and your guests talk about time for training per week for age group athletes. 10 hours plus seems to be the norm for age group triathletes, but I think even 8 hours a week is a huge time investment considering the average person probably visits the gym 3 times per week for 45 minutes. I am currently training 4 to 6 hours per week. I am a 40-year-old male in middle management working 40 to 45 hours per week. I cycle to work, but I don't count that as training because it takes me 10 to 20 minutes. I have a partner, a young child, and an energetic dog. We moved from the UK to Australia, so we have no support network to help out with childcare. I'm new to triathlon with my first race uh, booked in for April 2021, but fitness has always been part of my life. My recent VO2 max test was 59 milliliters per kilogram per minute. My question is, do you think I am wasting my time with triathlon training four to six hours per week? I'm generally doing two to three swims, two rides, and two to three runs, and two strength workouts a week. I feel like I'm doing a lot, but then I listen to interviews like the one with Mike Ritchie on episode 98, and he talked about beginner triathletes starting out with three sessions of each sport and some strength or mobility work. Again, I wonder who are these people that as beginners start doing nine workouts a week? A side note to this question is, 
training the 80-20 method, training per the 80-20 method with four to six hours per week of training time. I've heard you say it's not the best for time crunch athlete, but that doing some low intensity is still very important. Should I train one session for each discipline at a low intensity and the other at a moderate intensity? This would shift significantly from 80-20, but maybe I don't have enough time for all of the easy training in an 80-20 principle. Best regards, Simon. Thank you, Simon, for the question. It is a really, really great one. And uh, it's actually, surprisingly, I would say, not one that I get that often. But I'm quite certain that many people listening to the podcast have the exact same question as you do. Because you are quite right, very often the interviews and the Q&A episodes are kind of framed for better or for worse from the context of an athlete having let's say around 10 hours or even more perhaps to train each week. But although I don't have any stats to back this up with, I think that on average triathletes across the world, when we count all triathletes, train significantly less than that. Maybe they would be in the seven to eight hour region per week with, of course, significant variations on both sides. But the number of athletes doing, let's say, 12 plus hours of training I would think is in a clear minority. The reason that despite that, this is what I tend to cover the most on this podcast is simply that the majority of the listeners are of this podcast are in that minority of training at a higher, uh, higher weekly volume. So for example, in the survey that I'm running currently and that, that I just mentioned before, of 258 responses at the moment of writing, 86% of respondents categorize themselves as intermediate or advanced athletes and only 14% as beginner athletes. And 62% have 7.3 racing or Ironman distance racing as their preferred distance. And the average experience uh, in terms of years in the sport is 7.2 years. Of course, this is also a big positive feedback loop in a way more content catering to intermediate and advanced athletes means that more and more of that demographic will find and enjoy the podcast but maybe less beginners will on the other hand knowing the profile of the typical listener making a lot of beginner content is to be quite frank quite a risk to do in that it might make the biggest listener group of the show lose interest in it uh, so what i do want to mention here is that i made a whole beginner tips podcast series a couple of years ago but that is still relevant to this day so i think i had some 37 episodes that catered to beginners and they were called beginner tips 1 through 37 so you can find them on scientifictriathlon.com or in the archives in your podcast app for that triathlon show maybe one day i will revise that episode series but for now uh, i would highly recommend beginners to start listening there because um, i am very pleased with how that series turned out uh, anyway, uh, just to throw it out there, there are even days when I'm even thinking of starting an entirely separate new podcast focusing only on beginner triathletes. That's still something that I don't quite have time for at the moment, unfortunately, but it's it's an idea that I have and that may may happen one of these days. I All that to say is that I fully understand and agree with your concerns that a lot of content is not as catered to beginners as it could be and definitely might seem daunting and intimidating and uh, really for me figuring out the right balance of 
the levels of content to make or the, the level of athletes to cater to is a big challenge considering that so many of the listeners are athletes that train more and they listen to TTS specifically because it's one of few podcasts that cater to their needs but at the same time all levels of triathletes are obviously just as important and not everybody should uh, aim to train 10 or 15 hours per week and go to Kona and all of that because that's not what triathlon is about triathlon is about having fun having great experiences meeting like-minded people getting physical activity in an enjoyable way and countless other reasons not related directly to performance or how much you can can and should train so so here's a call to action to all beginners and time crunched athletes listening do take that survey that i mentioned scientifictraffle.com forward slash survey we'll take it directly there and uh please leave your feedback in the survey because that will definitely help make this podcast as good as possible for hopefully all different athlete demographics. But now, Simon, back to your question specifically. Sorry for that long ramble, but I do think that that context might be good and interesting for not just you, but for everybody to to hear. So you are absolutely not wasting your time by training four to six hours per week. I'll give you a couple of examples to prove this point. First, the beginner sprint triathlon plan that I have for sale on scientifictriathlon.com. The average training time in that plan is four hours per week. And that is across two swims, two bikes, and two runs. It doesn't contain the strength training, though. Uh, that will vary based on the individual a bit. But, but for swimming, biking, and running, four hours is what I have in that plan as a recommendation. For the beginner Olympic plan... At the average training time per week, swim, biking, and running is five hours per week. And again, two swims, two bikes, and two runs. If we go to the beginner 70.3 plan, however, we do take a step up to an average of eight hours per training. But keep in mind that is in the last 16 weeks before the race. So let's say you have a goal 70.3 race uh, half a year, 26 weeks from now then you could absolutely go about your training at a normal four to six hour per week range for the first 10 weeks and only ramp up training gradually in the, the last 16 weeks as the race is getting closer. And the same principle would apply for even for a race like an Ironman. But also keep in mind with that eight hour per week example for a beginner 7.3 plan is that with that plan, although it's not always the case, I kind of have the assumption that most People that are following that plan have done a sprint or Olympic triathlon before, so they're not training for their first triathlon, even though some people have done that successfully with that plan, so it's absolutely doable. But generally speaking, it's catered to athletes that have at least at least a few months of experience in triathlon and they have done their first race at some point previously. But let's take another example, completely unrelated to uh, not completely, but quite unrelated to triathlon, but it's still a very interesting topic that I'm uh, quite passionate about, which is physical activity for health and well-being. And uh, if we look at the WHO recommendations for adults aged 18 to 64, the recommendations state that adults aged 18 to 64 years should do at least 150 to 300 minutes of moderate intensity aerobic physical activity per week or at least 75 to 150 minutes of vigorous intensity aerobic physical activity uh, per week. They should also do muscle strengthening activities at moderate or greater intensity that involve all major muscle groups on two or more days a week, as these provide additional health benefits. 
then there are some other points um, to help the final point here is quite important to help reduce uh, the detrimental effects of high levels of sedentary behavior on health all adults and older adults should aim to do more than the recommended levels of moderate to vigorous intensity physical activity so 150 to 300 minutes of moderate intensity and when who states moderate it's actually what we in in the scientific literature for example around endurance training would refer to as low intensity training it you could call it training in the moderate domain not to get uh, hung up on the terminology here but basically that's just going out for an easy run or, or a steady run or a steady bike ride but not doing anything specific not doing tempo a tempo workout or a threshold workout or some intervals or anything like that so anyway 150 to 300 minutes of that type of training uh, translates to two and a half to five hours per week so with you being in the four to six hour per week range you are already in the upper end or even a bit higher than the minimum recommended amount of physical activity uh, according to who and this means that because for many triathlon training is a vehicle for health and general fitness you're already ticking that box easily so so it is absolutely enough if one of the main reasons for doing triathlon is that health and fitness aspect from a performance perspective are you going to get as good results in triathlon if you're training four to six hours per week versus eight to 12 hours per week most likely no you are not but then again you also cannot force volume into just any life circumstances that's not possible training eight to 12 hours per week but that done at the expense of getting adequate sleep for example would mean that maybe you would in the short term see performance improvements in the long term it's doubtful and for sure from a general health perspective that increase in training volume would still be a massive massive negative because of the lack of sleep in in this particular example so what it comes down to with regard to answering the question of if you are wasting your time or not is what is your reason for doing triathlon if you do triathlon for the sole purpose of qualifying for Kona, for example, then yes, I would say that with 46 hours of training per week, you're probably wasting your time. But if some of your main reasons for doing triathlon include general health and fitness, uh, getting at least a minimum required physical activity uh, done in a way that is enjoyable to you, uh, getting to enjoy the challenge of training for something you've never done before and figure out if you can do it, how you can do it, and countless other reasons, that I'm sure one can have for doing triathlon, then you're not wasting your time. So that is worth a bit of time for introspection and thinking about what is the reason that you're in triathlon in the first place. And that can make you come up with the answer yourself. Are you wasting your time or not? Now, I also realized that when asking that question, you may not have meant wasting your time quite as literally as I just answered it maybe you meant is it possible to improve as a triathlete on four to six hours per week from your current level so let's discuss that question a little bit first this will naturally depend on the ability level of the athlete so somebody who has been training 10 to 15 hours per week for a couple of years is most likely not going to improve on 46 hours per week unless before they were overtraining but that is an exception that i think we can ignore for the purposes of this question for someone like you who is new to the sport on the other hand i would say that you can definitely improve on 46 hours per week 
This is despite the fact that in terms of your personal starting fitness level, based on your VO2 max of 59, you are actually at a really, really high fitness level already. But for sure, I would say that you will keep improving for quite a while, doing four to six hours of training per week. The big question is for how long can you keep improving? And that is impossible to answer. You'll only really know it when you get to a plateau and stop improving. Maybe it takes one year, maybe two, maybe even three. It's hard to say, but I would expect you to have at least one year of improvement, more likely two years of good improvements, even on a fixed volume of four to six hours per week. And what that means is that you can actually really be relaxed and not feel any pressure about having to increase volume because you're just getting started. The bar for how much training you have to do to improve is quite low at this point in time. It will, over time, if you're in the sport for years, it will go up and up and up and it will be harder and harder to improve. Of course, not all of that is, uh, the answer is to, not all, to all of that is not always increased volume, but that is one of the main answers that typically you will have to have to, to one, one of the tools you'll have to use to, uh, to reach that next level. But you don't, at this point, need to, you know, clear the bar by a mile. You just have to go over it by just enough and when the time comes and you can't clear it anymore when you've stopped improving then you need to assess what are your goals and priorities is improving triathlon performance important to you if that is the case you'll probably need to increase your volume but that point is not right here and right now when you're just getting started it's somewhere down the line and i should also mention that with uh that what race you're training for plays a role I alluded to this already with the examples of the training plans that I have created. I would argue that you, for example, with a VO2 max of 59, uh, you could absolutely do a 7.3 race on your training volume of 46 hours per week. But I would also say that it might not be as enjoyable as the experience would be if you have a bit more time to train and get some of the longer training in, get your body better prepared for a long day out. So as a coach, if I was coaching you, I would encourage you to at least for the last two months, ideally three or four months, increase volume a little bit uh, beyond that to the kind of six to eight hour range or so at, at the very least. But But that could be for a limited amount of time. But also keep in mind what i already said you could do a 7.3 race on that volume it's just that i think that you would have a better more enjoyable experience uh, for a long race with slightly more volume in you uh, also another example of how the, what race distance you do playing a role in how much training you should do or how much training you could benefit from more specifically both sprint and olympic distance triathlon triathlons are perfectly appropriate distances for you with your current training volume but i would argue that you will plateau your performances at the olympic distance before you plateau your performances at the sprint distance because you won't be able to as well meet the event demands for an olympic distance because of your limited training time uh, the way that you can for a sprint where the, which is a more intense and shorter event in terms of the number of ses sessions, I think what you're doing with the two slash three swims and runs and two bikes is actually a lot already. And I would generally say for beginners that two swims, two bikes and two runs is absolutely perfect if they have a fairly standard beginner profile. Strength and conditioning depends a bit on time and facilities available, but what you're doing with two 
sessions of strength and conditioning is fantastic. So uh, kudos for that as well. For somebody completely new to structured sport, I would uh, actually advise against doing any more than two swims, bikes and runs for the first couple of months at least. It's a different story if you have uh, a background in a sport, especially in endurance sport, but even in something like like football or ice hockey or other team sports, whatever it may be, uh, then you can quite often train more because you're used to training, even if the training is different. And for endurance athletes, for sure, you can jump in as a beginner athlete and do more training, even though I would do things like limiting the running training at the beginning for people that are not used to running. But anyway, people that come to triathlon from background in other sports, they also tend to have some more higher goals sooner not to say that that's better necessarily but quite often i tend to see that these athletes want to complete a 7.3 race as their first triathlon and that race is in three or four months so so when that is the case then your hand is also forced a little bit as a coach to to have them train a bit more and that is maybe a scenario that mike ritchie that you mentioned has experienced i i would imagine so that might be a reason that he stated three swims bikes and runs even for beginner athletes as an example i'm perhaps getting slightly sidetracked already but actually now that i think of it even with athletes that have a background in training whether it's for example football or something more similar to triathlon like cycling or swimming uh, even then, I would start with usually two swims, two bikes, and two runs. Except if they are a cyclist, then they could be doing uh, a bit more cycling because they usually want to do that. But two uh, workouts per week in the other disciplines that they're not used to. And if they're not from an endurance sport background, then two workouts of each discipline is what I would start them out. But I would pretty quickly increase the frequency if they have that background and they have the goals that warrant that increase, which is different from somebody who is completely new to structured training. Uh, so, But anyway, uh, for most beginners, uh, that is not something that I would do. Most beginners that don't have a back background in structure, structured training would be well off starting with two swims, bikes and runs per week. That is, uh, that is pre pretty much what I would determined to be a, a good dose you will improve a lot as a beginner with that amount of training you will have a low risk of of injury and overtraining it is simply good for all intents and purposes so so i see little reason to divert from that model too often now to the question on 80 20 or polarized training you wrote i've heard you say it's not the best for time crunch athletes uh, but doing some low intensity is still very important. Should I train one session for each sport at low intensity and the other at moderate intensity? So you are correct. I have said that for time crunched athletes, I don't think that a strict 80-20 approach or a polarized approach, just a quick one sentence summary for listeners that don't know what this means. This means doing a large majority of your training, let's say 80% for simplicity at a low intensity and the rest can be in a polarized approach, it would be at a high intensity, so not really a lot of moderate training, a minimal amount of moderate intensity training, and you would either go easy or you would go hard. 80-20 is a bit more flexible in that the 20% of training can be either moderate or hard. But yes, you're correct. I have said and I, that I don't think and I do not think that 80-20 or polarized training is a great approach for time-crunched athletes. Not that I think that anybody should follow a strict prescriptive formula for exactly how much low-intensity or high-intensity training you should be doing, 
but actually for high volume athletes and even moderate volume athletes it ends up working pretty nicely around those numbers even though the numbers should never be the goal themselves and this is something i've discussed multiple multiple times before so i won't go into detail around that but basically you would never make a training plan with the goal of okay for this week i need to prepare make sure that 80 percent is low intensity and 20 percent high intensity and then fit the workouts around that that's not the uh, the mindset you have when creating a training plan either way and the problem with uh, that arises in particular for more time crunched athletes is that uh, you are training less so you can actually compensate a little bit with more relatively speaking more high intensity so a lower relative proportion of your of your training can be at a lower intensity because you are at a low risk of of getting too much fatigue of overtraining of injury because of the lower training volume and training volume is a big factor behind all of those things also i should say that for athletes training at a very high volume what is very important is that a lot of the low intensity training is actually really really easy as opposed to what we might call steady endurance so for example in a five zone system a time crunch athletes i would almost never prescribe pure zone one workouts to i might prescribe workouts that have a large range of options from which the athletes can choose like so it could cover both zone one and zone two and depending on how the athlete feels they might go in zone two or in zone one but i would never prescribe almost never prescribe a workout that is strictly in zone one the way that i do very often for high volume athletes just to make sure that we keep the overall fatigue levels in check and the overall caloric demands in check and the overall a lot in check training balance and making sure we're fresh for the really hard workouts so so it's not just that a time crunch athlete can have a higher relative amount of intensity in their training when training at a, a lower volume than than their counterparts but also they can do the low intensity training slightly higher in the low intensity range so in a five zone model you could be doing that training all in zone two as opposed to doing it in zone one as long as you feel up for it on the day but do adjust on the day based on how your body feels on the day when you feel really fatigued absolutely nothing wrong with going in zone one and i also must emphasize that it's important to not overdo this point and what happens then is that your endurance workouts turn into some kind of moderate intensity tempo training and you're no longer practicing some of the key benefits gained from low intensity training including not least fat oxidation that's one of of the key things that we get from those lower intensity workouts so one of the best and easiest ways to confirm that the low intensity training is still low intensity enough is to do the talk test which i've described before but essentially you can talk to yourself uh, state out loud a paragraph of text for example the pledge of allegiance has been used in validation studies in scientific research during your running or biking or whatever you're doing not swimming probably and see if you can do that without getting out of breath then you are at the low intensity level so so you're all good i think that when you say that you you suggest that you should be doing one low intensity workout in each discipline per week uh, i agree with that i would just add that it can also be possible to include some strides at the end of a run or some sprints in a swim like that or on the bike as long as this is a relatively small part of the workout and for the most part it is either easy or steady endurance 
But when you ask if the other workout in each discipline should be moderate intensity, I would make a little correction here and or counter suggestion and say that it should be moderate or high intensity. In a truly polarized model, as I said, it would be high intensity. But for triathlon purposes, we know that there is great value in moderate intensity workouts as well. So this is where training periodization comes in a bit. Over the course of a year, you should be getting in a good amount of both moderate and high intensity training. For a self-coached beginner athlete, I would say just keep things super simple. So for example, focus on high intensity one week and then the next week you focus on moderate intensity in those second workouts that are not low intensity. There are several different ways that you could go. That's not the only one, but that is one way that I think is very simple and easy to follow. So something like that would would be good. And we're already getting very far into this podcast, so I'll just give a quick example of a moderate and a high-intensity workout in each discipline for a beginner-level athlete. So on the swim, you could do 10 times 50 meters uh, with 20 seconds rest between each, and the intensity would be as hard as you can go, but sustain through the set. And a moderate-intensity workout would be 45 times 300 meters with one minute rest, and the intensity would be pretty close to the best average pace you can hold for all of those intervals but keep in mind you should not be losing pace from the first to the last you should be able to do the last interval as fast as the first one so pacing is very important in those kinds of workouts on the bike you could do something like for high intensity six times two minutes with two minute recoveries and you should go as hard as possible best sustainable pace again versus a moderate workout could be a straight 20 25 or 30 minute tempo ride at a moderate intensity and then maybe you could you should feel at the end of the segment that you could have gone for 10 minutes more but maybe not more than that or you could do something like three times 10 minutes of quite hard intensity with five minutes rest and each of the 10 minutes should be at the same intensity again but you should feel that you had a little bit left at the end of the workout but maybe not that much left and on the run, same thing as the bike, really. Six times two minutes on, two minutes off would be a great high-intensity workout, and three times ten minutes or 20 minutes straight tempo, those would be great options. So I hope this helps, Simon. Good luck with your training at your first race in April. And now let's play a short interview I did with two persons from the new podcast sponsor, Zen 8 Swim Trainer. Because they are a new sponsor to the podcast, I want to give you all a chance to get to know the company and their product a bit better with some more information than what can be conveyed just through the sponsorship slots at the beginning and end of the episodes. So here is the short interview introducing Zen8 and the Zen8 Swim Trainer. So I have Victor Jarland and Kieran Linders from Zen 8 Swim Trainer here with me. Uh, welcome, guys. Uh, we can start with uh, Victor, who's the founder and CEO. Can you explain what is the Zen 8 Swim Trainer and uh, how does it work? Yes. So uh, nice to nice to be here. And um, the Zen 8 Swim Trainer is a um, it's a strength training tool for uh, by designed for for uh, time crunched uh, athletes like myself. And um, that yeah doesn't always have the time to go to the pool. Uh, it's uh, specifically designed to help uh, the athletes develop uh, swim-specific strength and, and uh, technique. 
Can you explain a bit more about the backstory you mentioned that you don't always have time to, time to go to the pool? Is that where this idea to create the swim trainer came up? Uh, both, yes. Yeah. So I, when I started my first, uh, my first triathlon, I, uh, I, yeah, I, I don't come from a swimming background myself and, and uh, love the, uh, love the idea of doing a triathlon. During my first uh, triathlon, I, I completely panicked in the water and I realized that I had not put enough time in in the water or at the pool and and uh working full time in a in a busy ski resort and living at 2000 meters above sea level it was uh, it was always tough to find both time and uh, facilities to to uh, uh, get my swim training in and this is where the idea popped up of of uh, being able to to do the swim training somehow and strength training at home and and uh, this is where the idea was was first um, um, uh, launched, and 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 um, earlier in 2020, we when I got laid off work, uh, we really uh, took this idea into um, uh, and made it a reality. In, uh, with, with the help of from Karen as well, we developed a, a product uh, that uh, that is now on the market. Yeah, and. Uh Kieran, why don't we move to you? Can you first just paint a little visual of what the product looks like, how, how it works, so the listeners have an idea of, uh, of what it is we're talking about? So the Zenate Indoor Swim Trainer is a product that is based off of using uh, elastic cords, which are a go-to um, in, my, in my books in how to uh, improve your swimming performance. Um, and we use these cords uh, with an inflatable a swimming bench so that when you first of all that you can lie in a more natural position and you can and because it's an inflatable bench it has subtle uh, imbalances so you have to engage your core in order to stay uh, in, in a good position so um, you're not just lying on it in uh, not activating specific muscles you're really getting almost a full body workout um which compared to uh, normal training methods, just as such as using stretch cords by themselves, um, it doesn't doesn't allow for this. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I should mention as well that you're the head coach and uh, product uh, tester involved in product development uh, in uh, in Zen Eight. So I didn't mention that before, so the listeners get the full picture here. Uh, can you, yeah, so you mentioned there that you engage the, the core much more than you would with, uh, or you do engage the core, which you wouldn't with, with stretch cords. And uh, Victor also talked about uh, how this benefits people with, uh, with, that are time crunched or don't have good access to facilities. Obviously, the current pandemic is an example of not having access to facilities. Are there any other benefits or use cases that we should point out? Yeah, 100%. Um, the, the main thing that, that I love about the trainer is that um, as a triathlete and as a pro triathlete, it can be very difficult sometimes just to make pool times when it's a regular week. So um, if you're doing a run in the morning or a bike in the morning, sometimes you can get home and there's, there's not the ability to go to the pool, even if a pool is operating normally, or even if it's a case of jumping in with uh, your club. So what I would do in the past is I would come home and use stretch cords or other other methods. But I found that standing up and being in a slouch position was making my hamstrings really sore, and making my lower back sore. And when the swimming was totally taken away, 
uh, from the pandemic, I was trying to do replicate sessions and I actually picked up some injuries from doing my typical band work. So being able to lie down on, on the bench and be in a more specific position made sure that I wasn't overloading my legs, which were tired from other sessions. Um, and it also meant that I was able to really work on a good high catch position and a, a really strong pull through without, you know, when I'm pulling through hitting my legs or or being at the wrong angle. So it, it really made it specific to what I was trying to do. Why is it that you can work on a on a high catch? How does the swim trainer allow you to do that? So there's there's a couple of ways in which which it does this, but um, the the first way, one way that's been really picked up by uh, people using the trainer is uh, first of all you can actually see what you're doing with your arms, um, and sometimes in the pool if you're wearing certain goggle lenses or just the water in itself, it can disrupt uh, the natural view of what your arms are doing. Um, so when when you're on the trainer and you're you're looking at your high catch, you can actually see well my elbows are in the correct position. Um, because you can see them in front of you and you can have a quick look and you can get, you can film yourself really easily. Um, and that's one of the things that we've been doing is, is getting people to film what they're doing and send it into us. And then we can have a look at it for them. Um, and another reason as well is because you are lying in a natural position. If you're doing poor technique, you will actually graze the ground. So um, if you're not promoting proper technique, you will notice it because you'll get some physical feedback of, either you pulling round wrong or you're dragging your arms along the floor. So rather in the pool where it's just a case of, you know, not getting a good catch and not really necessarily knowing what that feels like, um, this will give you some physical input. And I, I guess the last thing as well is because the bands offer a little bit more resistance than, say, the water, you can actually feel it more in your muscles so rather in swimming where if you don't get a good catch you probably won't necessarily feel it and your arm just slips through uh, with the zen 8 trainer you can actually physically feel it because of the resistance of the bands perfect and uh how how would you use it how would you structure a training session would you if you normally go to the pool and do one hour one hour 15 minutes or uh, one hour 30 minutes or 45 minutes would you do a similar length session on the bench or would you do something shorter what, what's some tips there so there's a couple of ways i use the trainer i think the first one which is very quick is that i like using it to help me warm up before every swim session that i do or any um any sort of lifting session that i do if it's going to be arm work I, i find it's one of the best ways to just warm up and get get me ready for those sessions so for that sort of thing i'm just doing you know five ten minutes just to get the activation and, and get ready to go as in normal sessions um which is one thing that i've been doing at the moment because you know there's no access to the pools i've been doing anywhere from uh, a quick 20 minute session to get really good activation in the arms uh, all the way up to 45 minutes to an hour um so i built myself up to do that but most of the time it's it's i quite like doing short sweet sessions because you find kind of if you've gone to 30 minutes or longer you've you've got such good activation and your muscles are uh, kind of so fatigued from from doing the work that you don't really need to do much more than uh, 25 30 minutes uh, and that's that's coming from someone that races as a pro yeah and final question and this is something that i'm sure a lot of listeners are wondering now uh, how does using this swim trainer, the Zen 8 swim trainer, compare to just stretch cords? You already talked a little bit about that, but also to something like the the Vasa swim trainer. So 
just just quickly going back over the, the stretch cords, um, you're in a more natural position, so you're not putting any more load on the legs that you don't need to. Um, so that's just really good for triathletes in general that, you know, we, we do a lot of work on our legs. So why stress them out any more than they need to be? Um, compared to something like the Vasa trainer, I mean, first of all, we've, we've got the only uh, swimming uh, indoor trainer that actually has that flex on the bench so you're not just lying lying down and it supporting you you have to work on it so you're constantly having to engage your your core uh, and your balance to keep on and I, I guess the last thing as well is is the the Vasa trainer is 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 a really high um regarded training equipment but I've always found that the access to get to it has been very difficult I mean I've been a swimmer for a long time and I've been a pro uh, triathlete for a long time and I've only ever used it once because it was a bit it was a piece of equipment that was only kind of reserved for uh, lab sort of environments because of the, the the cost and the the size of it so I guess the Zenit trainer where where we have that that slight edge is that it we can fold it up and put it into a cupboard or put it into your suitcase for travel and it's at a lot more cost effective price um, than uh, some of the other methods which which you're looking at you know a few thousand pounds to to get the basic models for yeah yeah that's really cool it's it's inflatable so you can you can just shove it away in in a really small package when when not using it if you want to or for travel mm-hmm. as, as you mentioned uh, victor do you have any any final words to the listeners can well maybe just tell tell us where we can find out more information about the trainer and uh, and and how we can get a, get our hands on one. So we're on um, Instagram. We have quite a few, um, and even YouTube. If you search for Sen8 Swim Trainer, you should be able to find us there. We do have. Um, we're trying to do a lot of uh, training videos showing how the product is working. Uh, also, our website is is uh, uh, Sen8 uh, with an eight, the number eight Sen8 Swim Trainer dot com. And um, with uh, as well to 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 let the listeners listeners know who might be thinking about getting one, we are um, uh, providing a free uh, coaching plan with uh, the uh, uh, with the trainer uh, that Karen is working on, and uh, we have some uh, an exciting um, 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 collaboration together with the BMC Pro Triathlon team, and we are uh, working on a more in depth. Um, uh, coaching plan together with uh, with the team at uh, at BMC. So look out for that in the in the next uh, few weeks. All right, perfect. Uh, thank you uh, to both of you, Victor and Kieran. It was uh, great to have you on and uh, talk more about the Zenate Swim Trainer. And just to reiterate, the website where you can find out more information is zenateswimtrainer.com. And that's it for today's Q&A episode. I will link in the episode description to the survey that I mentioned. Please do remember to fill it out, the survey for that triathlon show. It will help me make the podcast better for you. I will also link to a couple of Q&A episodes that are related to the question we had today, especially Q&A number 32, training on three to five hours per week and how to get started with adding high intensity training to your program well that first part especially training on three to five hours per week is where i uh, lay out some structures for 
time crunch athletes. Q&A number 10 is also related why 80-20 training is not the best way to train for time crunched age group athletes. So check those out. They will be in the episode description and of course on scientifictriathlon.com under the Q&A episodes tab. Keep sending in questions to michael at scientifictriathlon.com and it's michael with a K. And if you're interested in coaching, training plans or training camps, check out scientifictriathlon.com and what we have to offer there. I'm also happy to answer any questions you have. Just email me and I'll get back to you. Thank you finally to our sponsors, Roka, that you can find on roka.com. Go and check out their wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, high-performance eyewear and prescription glasses and sunglasses and get 20% off your order with the promo code that you can get on roka.com forward slash TTS. And thank you to Zenate that you can find on zenateswimtrainer.com. Improve your technique, power and stamina even when pools are closed or when you don't have time to go to the pool thanks to the unique Zenate swim bench design. You can get 20% off your swim trainer with the promo code that you can get on senateswimtrainer.com forward slash TTS. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.